Good morning. Good morning. Welcome to Porterfield. I feel like we're getting ready for Super Bowl Sunday today with that music going in the background. You feel it? Or are you not that awake yet, right? It's too early, too early. No, it's a good day to be together. Would you stand and join us? Let's give our praise and worship to an awesome, awesome God, the life changer. Wandering into the night, wanting a place to hide this weary soul, this bag of bones. And I try with all my might, but I just can't win the fight. I'm slowly drifting, oh, vagabond. Just when I ran out of road, I met a man I didn't know. He told me that I was not alone. He picked me up, he turned me around, he placed my feet on the ground. I met the master, I met the savior, because he healed my No choice but to believe my doubts are burning mm, like ashes in the wind. So, so long to my old friends. Burning in bitterness, you can't just keep it moving. Are oh, you able to
Amen. Amen. You can be seated. You know, it's great to be a part of a church that we're doing such great things um, with Upward Basketball and the people that are involved with that. Uh, David Young doing refereeing and all those things he's doing, and Ron Anderson leading our basketball teams uh, with the, the coaches and stuff, and, and just to see what happened night to shine uh, this past Friday night. It's just amazing to see people's hearts, willingness to serve, willingness to contribute, to help out, and so we're just excited to be a part of that. So thank you for everyone that made night to shine possible, all those that are putting effort and time into upwards the women's conference. It's been a busy few months here, and it uh, doesn't seem to slow down sometimes, but thank you so much for putting that investment in people and making sure people feel cared about and valued, and we want to lead people towards Jesus, so let's pray. Lord, I just thank you for everything you do. Thank you for allowing us to be here. I just pray you just be with our time today. Thank you for the worship, and we just want to be thankful. We want to have a thankful heart we want to have the right attitudes as we talk about the attitudes of Christ today, that you would help mold and shape our attitude towards you, that we want to carry that same attitude as Jesus. And so I pray you just be with us, be with the message today, be with the music, and that we can bring you glory. I pray, Lord, you just be with us as we have future plans, that you would just guide and direct those future plans, that we would seek you and seek your will. And uh, we just thank you for the opportunities you give us. And we know that with those opportunities, we want to invite more people to be involved, more people to take ownership of the things that we're doing. And so we pray for the right leaders to come up to help us lead other things and to strengthen areas where we need strengthen. So just use us and guide us and direct us. We thank you for those that give, and we pray for those that don't, that you would just stir their hearts. Uh, and help all of us to be cheerful givers, to know that we give because we respect you and value you and know that you're the one that's in control of everything. And so thank you so much that we see even progress with our parking area being expanded, that, that you're doing something here and you're providing the resources for us to accomplish that task. And Lord, we want to do other things as well. So just give us strength, give us wisdom today. And we pray for those that are going through hardships, difficulty, those that have experienced loss of some type, that you'd put your loving arms around them, comfort them, and give them strength. And we ask all these things in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Would you stand and join us? We submit to our Father in heaven and ask that his will would be done in our lives. Father, let your kingdom come.
Lord, when we say we want you to be ruling over us, ruling over our hearts, Lord, we're not always good at that. I'm not always good at that. Lord, that we would put you first in the way that we carry out our day, every piece of it, not just the parts we need help with, Lord, but all of it. And we want to, and every day we want to try to do it more. Lord, we offer you our hearts this morning. We know you see right into us. You see right through us, Lord, and you love us so much that we would rest in that, that we would trust in that, we would know that you are all powerful, all capable, all knowing, loving and good. Thank you for loving us, Lord. Thank you for seeing us how we are and not leaving us that way, Lord. Just change us piece by piece by piece. We give ourselves over to you today. We love you, Lord. Let the king of my heart be the mountain where I run, the fountain I drink from, oh, he is my song. Let the king of my heart be the shadow where I hide, the ransom for my life, oh, he is my song. You are
goodness, Lord. Thank you for showing it to us day in and day out as we look to you. Lord, speak to us through your word today that we would grow closer to you, more in step with you. We give ourselves to you today. You're the king of our hearts, Lord. We love you and we praise you. Amen. Be seated. So today, we're talking about this idea of submission, the attitudes of Christ, or the attitude of Christ. We talked about last week is truth, right? That Jesus represents truth. He wanted to live out truth that he knew. Today, we're talking about the idea of submission. It's not a word we like to hear, to be honest with you. I don't like hearing it either. But when we hear when it talks about submitting or submission, We don't like that word because it really speaks to the core of the struggle that we have, right? We want to dictate what happens. We want to be in charge. We want to be in control. We want to have control over some of the things that we have. We want to be able to dictate what we want and see happen. And so this word submission and submitting is hard for us. But if you look at scripture, we're all called to do it. And this was the heart of Jesus. Jesus submitted to the Father. There's so many passages that I could have used today to talk about this idea because it's throughout the Gospels where Jesus always acknowledged the Father. He always put the Father as the one that was his final authority, the one that he would seek, the one he would look to for guidance and direction and seek the will of the Father. And why should it be different for us? If this is the role model that Jesus set for us, why aren't we seeking the Father? Why aren't we really going after what he says about things rather than just trying to do it on our own accord, adoring it the way we want to be done? Submission is that acknowledgement that there is somebody over you. Actually, the definition of the word is the action or fact of accepting. It's you accepting or yielding to a superior force, talking about God here, or to the will or the authority of another person. So it's recognizing uh, authority. It's respecting authority. And the great, great authority that we should have over our life is God himself. God is the one we should be looking to, seeking after his guidance and his direction. Now today you're going to see some, some Super Bowl commercials, Right? You're going to be watching commercials, and their main target is to get you, as a customer, to buy into their product. And how do they do this advertising? What are some of the tactics that they do? Is they like to speak to your ego, right? They like to speak to yourself and and how it would make your life better if you had this product. Think about Nike, and it says, just do it, right? Just do it. L'Oreal says, because you're worth it. (laughs) You're worth it right? Burger King. How's that saying? Anybody have this or know this? You want to shout it out? What is it? A little bit more confidence here. (laughs) I think we've all seen the commercials, right? Have it your way, right? 
So, you know, you guys are afraid to admit it, but that's, that's what we go to Burger King for, right? Is to have it our way. We want to have our tomato or our mayonnaise on the way we want it or without. McDonald's, I'm loving it, right? Uh, Coke, taste the feeling. Like you're missing out and you've got to have this. And I've already mentioned about Apple and the new phone. It's not about technology. It's about titanium. Titanium is why you want to buy the iPhone 15. But this whole idea of you're missing out, you deserve this, you need it. I remember being a kid watching these commercials on TV and I was like, why am I watching this? It's about a woman and had kids in the house and they were getting noisy or crazy and she'd be like, Calgon, take me away, right? (laughs) Everybody remember that? But think about the reason why we have advertising that goes after you is because they know your main priority is you. And I'm not saying we shouldn't take care of ourselves. We have, I think when Jesus says, love your neighbor as yourself, he's saying you should love yourself to love your neighbor. But we shouldn't get so minded about serving ourselves or taking care of ourselves that we miss out on the greater authority of our life. And that's Jesus. So let's dive in. We're going to look at two scriptures from the Gospel of John. And it's kind of interesting, these past few messages, I've been staying or starting with John. And I think there's a lot of value here that we can see the life of Jesus, the attitude of Jesus comes out here in the Gospel of John. And I think, again, you can find this in the other Gospels as well. I just like the wording that John puts it towards. So John chapter 6, verse 38, it says this. This is Jesus speaking. For I have come down from heaven... Not to do my will, but the will of the one who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. So he's acknowledging the fact that he's not doing this out of his desire. You know, maybe Jesus didn't really want to come here to earth. I mean, I think his love for us did. But I'm just saying his acknowledgement is it's the father that sent him. It's his father's will that he is here on earth. That God had a job for him to do in a task. And he's always acknowledging how the father is the one that should be glorified. That he can't do anything of his own accord. It is the father's will for him to do it. And he's talking about this idea that as we go on here in verse 40, talking about what's the purpose of him being sent. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life. And I will raise him up on the last day. So he's talking about the reason why God sent him. From the very beginning of his ministry, Jesus was saying, I'm here to provide eternal life for those that believe in me. For anybody that wants to believe in me as the Messiah of of God that came, I'm here for that. But why is he here? If we go back, it talks about the will of the Father. It's God's desire. Jesus did nothing to promote himself here on earth. He avoided opportunities to brag on himself, to claim that he was this special, or brag and say, look at who I am. But he came to serve us. He came to make a difference in our lives with the eternal life that we could have with Jesus and God to be in the presence of the Father. And so as we look to John chapter 10, verse 24, 
just a few chapters later. And, and again, it's, it's neat that we're bringing this in this center page of where we talked about chapter 8 and chapter 9 recently of John, the Gospel of John. Here we see in verse 24 of chapter 10. The Jews who were gathered there were, were there gathered around him saying, How long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Messiah, tell us plainly. This is Jesus' response. Jesus answered, I did tell you, but you do not believe me. The works I do for my Father, again, the acknowledgement of God in his life. The works I do for my Father's name testify about me, but you do not believe because you are not my sheep. My sheep, the people that respond to me, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. So Jesus is saying that no one will take them out of my hand, but he's going to, again, refer to the authority of God. My Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and the Father are one. So even though Jesus and the Father are the same, and right after that, they they're, talk about the Pharisees getting upset and angry. They get upset after this, if you want to continue reading this part. They get really frustrated with Jesus because he claims to be the one with God. They understand what he's saying. He's not talking about his earthly father. They understand what he's saying plainly, that he's saying he is the same as God, but yet he is always giving credit to God the Father. And if the Son of God, who is perfect, blameless, who did nothing wrong here upon the earth, is giving authority to God, understanding that God's ahead of him. Why don't we? And the question for all of us, myself included, is God really the authority of my life? Am I allowing God to be the final authority in my life? Or is there things in my life that I want to dictate want to make things happen and force things to happen and not really submit to the will of God? Am I open to God's authority in my life? Because there's going to be times where you think you could do something better than God can. There's going to be times where you disagree with God. But to the end of the day, are you going to be able to willingly say, God, I want your will to be done and not my will? When Jesus taught us to pray, he prayed, Lord, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Your kingdom come, your will be done. There's this thing that I kind of just changed a little bit, but it's by Arthur Bennett, The Valley of the Vision. I'm gonna read a segment. It says, when you are not guide, not my guide, talking about God, I control myself. When you are not welcomed to be sovereign, I rule myself. When you are not permitted to take care of me, I suffice myself. When I should be depending on your providings, I supply myself. When I should submit to your providence, I follow my will. When I should study, love, and honor, and trust you, I serve myself. I fault and, and correct your laws to suit myself. 
Instead of you, I look to man's adoration. And that is so true. I mean, we know this because we see the reason why social media grows and becomes so strong is because we have this desire for 15 minutes of gratification or this moment where people will like what we post or what we share or what we say. Oh, by the way, that's the reason why this Gatorade's here. Somebody had a post, uh, Michelle Snyder, I think, posted this and uh, was talking about how a pastor should be ga- uh, dumped with Gatorade. Thankfully, uh, Kathy Parsons brought this and said, this is to drink, not to, not to dunk yourself with. So I appreciate that. But the idea here, again, is do we recognize God's authority? Do we seek his guidance? Do we seek his will or do we just do what we want? If it's not what we want, we change the rules, right? We change and correct God's laws to fit our way of thinking. We try to dictate what happens instead of seeking what his purpose is and his direction. We want what we want. We're selfish most of the time. I mean, we could do great works and still be selfish. There's a lot of things you can do to help others around you to make yourself look good, but yet still be selfish inside. The idea is, is God really the authority figure in your life? And are you looking for man's adoration or God's adoration? Because if you're looking for God's authority in your life, not everybody's going to like you all the time. Not everybody's going to appreciate what you have to say all the time. Even though our heart is to love people and to lead them into a life-changing relationship with Jesus Christ, not everybody's going to want that. Not everybody's going to want a relationship with Christ. We're still called to love them, but we have to make sure that we do the will of the Father. We have to love God and honor him. So as we move on to this idea, and there's really three words I want to highlight here. I'm sure we could go further in this idea of submission and what does that mean. But the first idea here I just want to reiterate before we move on is that God's authority needs to be in place. That you respect what God has to say, that you seek what God has to say that you follow God's will for your life. That our pursuit, this journey of life, is really a pursuit of finding his will, seeking his will in our life, allowing him to work through us. Let's move on to Philippians chapter 2, verse 5. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, same attitude, right? The same mindset. Who being the, in the very nature of God did not consider equality with God but something to be used to his advantage. And I know we have different translations here, which is totally fine. But I do like how it's worded here in the NIV where it says something to be used to his own advantage. Jesus didn't come to die upon a cross so that he could be made king of glory. He came because of his great love and value that he placed on all mankind. I mean, surely God could have come up with another way, but he wanted to show us the way, so he came to become the greatest servant of all time, washing the disciples' feet because he loved us, because he cared about us. He valued us. He was willing to humble himself to be born in a manger. He was willing to humble himself that not everyone would believe in him. He humbled himself to the point where it didn't matter what you thought of him. 
As Isaiah talks about, there was nothing that would attract you to him, that, that you would think that Jesus was a great-looking guy. There was nothing that would appealed you to him. The pictures that we have of Jesus are probably not accurate. He may have been just a regular dude, a regular guy that you would not have picked out on a lineup, right? But he came to serve. He came to walk among us and not to be taking advantage of us, but to love us. This is the great thing about the cross is that we know that he loves us, that he cares about you because he sent his son to die on the cross, that Jesus himself died on the cross for each one of us. Rather, he made himself nothing. He made himself nothing. He came as nothing. And you know, like I've mentioned before, Jesus wasn't trying to create a kingdom here upon the earth. He wasn't caring about what they were going to build after him. He wasn't, going to, he wasn't concerned about people coming to see where he was born in Bethlehem. He wasn't wanting to see a temple or a church built there. He wasn't concerned about having a monument built for him. He wanted the monument to be in our hearts. He wanted our, the monument to be in our lives. He had nothing. He came humbly to service because he cared for us. Being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on the cross. Therefore, therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. Taking this a step further, that, that Jesus came humbly, that he knew that there was a Roman occupation, he knew that there were struggles that people were facing. He knew that people were facing over taxation. He knew that people were not happy that the Romans were occupying their territory. But he didn't care about that because he was more concerned about being their Lord for the rest of their life. We get caught up in the things that we don't like or the things that we don't want to see happen. But God is willing to step out of humanity into humanity to save us because he loves us and he's willing to serve. He came humbly to us. Therefore, my dear friends, so this is Paul's encouragement to us. As you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but much more in the, my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you and to and in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. Do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. Why do we have grumbling and complaining? Why does that happen? Why does that occur? You ever thought about that? Why do I complain and I grumble? It's because a lot of times it's just not my what I want to happen, right? 
And, and this is a thing that we all have to be aware of. We need to have to be, we need to be humble so that we can work out. It's, I'm, I, again, I'm not saying that we shouldn't have, if we have concerns, we should share those concerns with people. We should talk to people if we have concerns. But, you know, it's, it's, it's when you start complaining and arguing, it's not that you're concerned. It's just that your will didn't happen oftentimes. It didn't happen the way you wanted it to, Right? It's like the slaves that came out of Egypt and they grumbled and they complained to Moses, all these complaints, all these grumblings. They just saw these amazing things that God had done, all these amazing miracles that took place, all these plagues that were sent upon the people of Egypt, and yet they couldn't get past eating the manna or what God took care of them. All the things that they wanted is going back and going back because it was all about them. It was all about them. I'm not saying there isn't times for, you know, solving issues and talking about those issues. But if you're just going to sit back and argue and complain, that's not speaking humility. That's not speaking to the fact that you're humble and you're willing to work an issue out with somebody. If you're willing to work out an issue with somebody, you should come humbly to that. Not with pride or arrogance, trying to get your way and what you want to see happen. You should be seeking God's will and saying, God, what do you want to do in this situation? I come humbly to you asking for your guidance and for your direction in this scenario. I want to see problems solved. I don't want to be sitting on the sidelines complaining about what's happening. I want to be involved in help and encouragement to that issue, to that problem. But it's so easy, isn't it? All of us have done it. All of us are guilty of this. But I think it's speaking out of humility, understanding it's not our opinion that matters the most. It's the opinion of God. It's God's will that we should be seeking, not our own. Continues on, it says, and then I will be able to boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labor in vain. In other words, I'm I'm taking this moment to do something about it. But even if I'm being poured out like a drink offering, this means that, that maybe there's going to be some people that take advantage of me. Maybe I'm going to be abused in some way. Maybe I'm not going to be thanked or encouraged or, you know, maybe people aren't going to notice the difference I make. Even if I'm being poured out like a drink offering, it's worth it. The sacrifice and the difference that I'm making to make is worth it. Offering on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith. I am glad and rejoice with all of you So you too be glad and rejoice with me. You know, a lot of times we get off track, right? And this is the reason why we want to start the year talking about our mission statement of loving and leading people into a life-changing relationship with Jesus Christ. Let's let that be the main thing that we focus on. All the other things we can debate and have some discussion about, but we need to keep this priority, this goal in mind, that we want to pursue that. And then let's come humbly to each other. Not of arrogance or pride, but with humility. Jesus showed that humility as Paul states that he humbly came. He come humbly to serve. 
As I think about him washing the disciples' feet again, thinking about that moment, you know, the reason why we have feet is we're created beings. We're created, mankind is created, a created creature, right? We're not a spiritual being just alone. We've got a physical body, right? Where God is totally spirit. He has no uh, set form. He has no set way about him. He's, He's just God. Right? It's hard for us to understand this. But Jesus came to the point where he's willing to wash the created things because of his great love for us when he washed the disciples' feet. Talking about humility and this attitude, uh, there's a story I'm sure maybe some of you have heard. The captain of this ship looked into the dark night and saw a faint light in the distance. Immediately he told his signalman, to send a message, alter your course 10 degrees south. Promptly a return message received. After alter your course 10 degrees north, the captain was angered, upset. His, com- his command had been ignored. So he sent a second message, alter your course 10 degrees south. I am a captain. Soon another message was received. Alter your course 10 degrees north. I am a seaman, third class Jones. Immediately the captain sent a third message knowing the fear it would invoke. Alter your course 10 degrees south. I am a battleship. Then the reply came. Alter your course 10 degrees north. I am a lighthouse. Sometimes we can have a title. We might have been serving Christ for over 30 some years. We might have accomplished great things in this life, acquired great wealth. But it doesn't matter. Because, you know, the saying is true how I came into this world is how I'm going to go. Somebody mentioned, I think recently to me, no one goes to heaven or has a hearse and has a U-Haul behind it. And I think that's very true. We can't take it with us. And all these things that we think we can be pride in or think we're something or do something and think we're something that we somehow got this illusion from Satan that we are somehow greater. But when it comes to facing God and seeing God face to face, what is every one of us gonna do? We're gonna, we're gonna, we're probably just gonna be prostrate on the ground. I will, I would just be just flat on the ground because it, just to see God's glory. You know, Moses saw a glimpse of God and he was so radiant. People said, hey, cover yourself. We can't stand to look at you because you've been in the presence of God. And why doesn't God wanna just show us who he is? Because as soon as he would show who he is, our sin would be exposed and we would immediately die. But because Jesus came, because Jesus came humbly to save us, we have a way forward where we were totally hopeless in our sin and the things that we have done wrong. And and like I said last week, if we were brought up here and shown and exposed all the truth about us and who we really are, we would be so embarrassed, right? But Jesus says, no, I don't want you to stay that way. I wanna free you from your sin. I've come to set you free. Believe in me. 
Know that I love you. See, Satan wants us to get in this trap where we, we think of ourselves too highly. Not that we're dirt. God doesn't want us to think that. Because God wants us to love our, ourselves so we can love others. He wants us to walk in humility, though. Honestly, truthfully. Know that a title doesn't make you that person. Knowing that, you know, man's gratification or man's praises or man's, you know, recognition of who you are, that's not what this life's about. It's about helping to make a difference in this life by pursuing the things of Christ and seeking God's will for your life. Moving on in Hebrews chapter 5, verse 7 through 9. During the days of Jesus' life on earth, he offered up prayers and petition with fervent cries. You ever think about that? You ever looked up the different scriptures where Jesus is just sharing his heart? The shortest scripture in the Bible is Jesus wept. Next week, we'll talk about his great compassion, his great love for us. And tears to the one who could save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverent submission. Son, though he was, he learned obedience from what he suffered. And once made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation for all who obey him. I know for a lot of us, our prayers are full of requests for ourselves or for our families. But thank God so much that in Jesus, he cared for all of us. And even though he was misunderstood, mistreated, abused, rejected, he was willing to suffer. Sometimes we think suffering is so bad, but I think suffering a lot of times, if we look towards God with the suffering that we face in life, it can strengthen us and make us stronger and better because we know our strength doesn't come from our own. It's God himself that gives us the strength. Matthew 26, verse 36. Again, this just shows the heart of Jesus seeking the Father's will for his life. Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to them, sit here while I go over there and pray. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him, and he began to pray, uh, to began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and watch with me. Going on a little farther, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, my father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken away from me. So we see there's a struggle with Jesus being in the human form, fully God, but yet having a hard time with this. That there was a lot of weight, a lot of pressure on Jesus at this moment. Satan was, I'm sure, tempting him, even though we don't see this play out necessarily. We see the struggle within Jesus that he's saying this, my father, if it be possible, take this cup from me. But in his obedience, yet not my will, 
but as your will be done. Then he returned to his disciples and found them asleep, sleeping. Could you not, could you men keep watch, not keep watch with me for one hour? He asked Peter. Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. You ever thought about this, that Jesus is talking about this even for himself, that he knows his flesh is going through these emotions of feeling this anguish and this stress that he's feeling, that the great sweat that's is turning into these drops of blood that's on his brow. That's, he's feeling this, this emotion, this power, and you know, this struggle that's going inside of him. Watch and pray so that you will not fail, fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Again, for the second time, he went away and prayed, My father, this cannot, if this cannot pass unless I drink it, wow, this is powerful, you think about it. If this cannot pass unless I drink it, your will be done. And again, he came and found them sleeping, for their eyes were heavy. So leaving them again, he went and prayed, he went away and prayed the third time saying the same words. You know, as I was preparing this message and I met with somebody this week and, and, and God had given me this idea before they came in and, and it just kind of worked out that this was what God wanted me to share with them and I want to share with you today. Is don't we have to come to God with open hands? Don't we have to come to God and say, whatever you put here, Whatever you place in my hand, I know it's just for a period of time. That I'm not the owner of this thing. You are. And I'm just a caretaker of this for the moment, for the time that I'm getting given. A lot of times when we have things, what do we do? We want to try to keep it and close it and squeeze it and not let go, right? But when we come to God with our children with our spouse, with the situations that we go through in life? Do we come to God with open hands saying, whatever you place here, God, I'm leaving my hand open. And if you take it away, you take it away. If you give me some more, you give me some more. But I want to be a faithful servant to surrender my life to the point that this hand's always open. That this opportunity, the things that you've given me, the opportunities you give me in this life, I always want to hold out with an open hand because it's not me that made this moment happen. It's you, God. You're the one that's doing the work. You're the one that's doing this thing. It's not me. What is surrender to you? What is letting go for you? What does turning things over to God really mean in your definition? Nelson meant wrote this, Lord, I am willing to receive what you give, to lack what you withhold, to relinquish what you take, to suffer what you inflict, to be what you require. Is that our prayer? Is that our heart? Because this is the heart of Jesus. This was his attitude. Was to submit to the authority of God the Father. 
to honor him, to love him, to do the things that were required, even to death. He was willing to lay down his life. Did he ask God for a change? Yes, it's okay to ask God for things. But do we come with an open hand to say, God, whatever your will is, whatever your will is, I want your will to be done. I want to surrender my life for you. Luke 9, 23 and 24. Then Jesus said to them all, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. There's going to be things that God is going to say no to in your life. Are you willing for that to happen? Are you willing to deny the things that you want, the things you desire, and deny yourself some things to really follow Jesus? To take on the attitude of Christ, you're going to have to say no to some things. You're going to have to let go of some things in your life. You're going to have to say that just because it makes sense and it feels good and, and just because it's something that adds value to your life, there might be things that, that are totally seem like totally fine. It's like, I don't, what's the big deal about this, God? And God said, no, I want you to let go of that. Deny yourself. Deny yourself. I remember, and I've shared this story, but it's a, it's a powerful story. It's a true story that I can speak from. In my 20s, I wanted a girlfriend. Never had a girlfriend. Never had held some girl's hand. Never had a, a, a real kiss until I was 27 years old. And the reason why is because God said no. For whatever reason, God did not want me to have a girlfriend for over seven years, 18 years. What, or not, well, not 18 years because I've been too young, right? But anyhow, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, for that period of time, I was praying. I said, God, I'm, I'm trying to follow you. I'm trying to seek you. I'm, I'm trying to serve you. So why not, yeah, just bring her to me. That's, that's great, you know. And uh, he said, no. Why would God say no for me wanting a relationship with somebody, a pure, good relationship with somebody? Why would God deny that for me? Because he loved me? Because he had a greater purpose for me? Because he wanted me to focus on the right things? And out of that, God did some amazing things when I was youth pastor. And I know it wasn't because of me. It was because I was letting God work in my heart and my life. And he was working in the teens' lives and the youth leaders' lives. But I was focused on the mission that God had given me. It doesn't mean forever that God will say no to those things. But maybe there's things you're trying to pursue in your life that you don't need right now. And even though you don't like hearing it, maybe you need to deny yourself those things so that you can focus on the greater mission and purpose that God has for you. We get caught up too much of the time in things that we think we need instead of things we really should be desiring in our life. And that's God himself. Talking about this idea of submission, this attitude that we should have, there was a college student that put some postcards on his mantle of his fireplace. This was years ago. 
And he put them on the, the, the mantle and he put let God, right, on this six postcards. He spelled out the words L, you know, uh, E-T. I won't, I'll stop there because I'll probably screw it up somehow. But anyhow, <laughs> he put him on the mantle in his, in his room where he went to school and was living. And one evening a draft blew in and blew the letter D off that. And it, it, it just spoke to him like a moment where God spoke to him and said, let go and let God. Let go. Sometimes to let God work in your life, you have to let go of some things to really see him working. Because when we try to hold on with a tight fist, our distraction is right there. And we get focused on that one thing instead of really being open to what God has for us. You know, you can't place something in somebody's hands if they have a tight fist. Another story, how they catch monkeys in certain parts of the world is they take a coconut and they carve out enough of a hole where you can, you can stick your, your hand in for the monkeys to stick their hands in there. But then when they grab whatever they're trying to go after, they have it to where they grab it and they can't, they can't get out. They're stuck because they can't let go. Is that the way it is for you? You can't let God do things because you can't let go and let him really work in your life. As we mentioned in the first part of this message, John chapter 10, verse 29, it says, my father who has given me them is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my, out of my father's hands. Do you know when God gives you something, no one else can take it from you but God? When God does things, it's God doing it, and you know it's God, it's, you, you don't have to worry about it because it's God, it's not you. A lot of times we try to worry about it, right, and try to, try to fess over it, but God knows what he's doing. Trust God with those things. As Jesus says, how, how many of you have added an hour to your life by worrying? It's a waste of time. God's in control. Surrender, submit. As we have this time of invitation, I want to encourage you to go through these three things. One, is God your authority? Are you seeking God's direction with your life? Is he king of your life? Is he Lord? Is he the one you're going towards? Number two, if, if you are thinking this way, are you walking with humility are you walking with humility, the same humility that Jesus had? As you think about Jesus walking through the streets, this is the biggest thing I think about the crucifixion was when Jesus was walking through the streets towards Golgotha, carrying his cross, he had done nothing wrong, but yet everybody was humiliating, making fun of him, being king of kings and lord of lords, weren't they? Being the king of the Jews. They mistreated him, he was tortured, and then hung up on a cross because of his great love for you. So surrender your life because he's not asking you more than what he did for you when he surrendered his life. And he gave everything so that you could be with him forever and ever through eternal life.
If you have a need, feel free to come and pray. There'll be Stephen ministers here. I'm willing to pray. I know there's other people in here in the church that are willing to pray. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal savior, he offers eternal life. He wants to be king of your life. He wants to be the authority figure in your life because he loves you and cares for you. He wants to use you to do great things for him. Lord, I just thank you and praise you for everything you do. Thank you for this time today that we could spend talking about this idea of submission. Help me, Lord, to submit to your authority. Help me to walk in humility because it's not about me. Lord, help me to surrender those things that I need to offer back to you with an open hand and saying, Lord, I surrender this to you, Father. Thank you for loving me and caring for me. In your name I pray, Jesus, amen. Would you stand and join us? What gift of grace is Jesus married to? There is no more for heaven now to give. He is my joy, my righteousness and free. My steadfast love, my deep and boundless peace. To this I Side, the Savior, He will stay.
guys don't care to take a seat, I uh, just want to talk a little bit about some things that are happening in our church, and then we're going to watch another video about stacking chairs because we have the Super Bowl party tonight, so we just want to continue to use that, and uh, this will be the last time this month, okay? <laughs> uh, but I want to tell you about Easter. Easter, we had over 900 people attend at Porterfield through the two different services we had. And we're anticipating that God's going to do some cool things this year. So we want to make sure there's plenty of room for people. And so we're going to continue to do what we do with our traditional service and our modern service. And so those will both be at 9.15 and 11 o'clock. And we'll still do the same things for those. But we're opening up another, other opportunities. In the youth room at 9.15, while this service is going on and the traditional service is going on, that 915 will be an acoustic set that will be played, and they'll pipe the message in or have it on the screen. And then we're also going to be renting Blennerhassett Junior High, and we're going to open that as a family service. We're not going to have childcare there, but there'll be packets for kids to do. But we just want to create room and space for people. So at 11 o'clock over there, we're going to have a praise band uh, led by John Norman, and we're going to have Jeff Cox lead the service that morning to uh, help us. But we're going to have the preaching there as well, be on screen, but live music so that people can just enjoy the service that day. Our hope and our desire is to promote this to people that don't know Christ, that are on the fence. Maybe they won't go to church on any other day, but it's Easter. And it might be an opportunity for us to share the good news of Jesus. The message is going to be a message about Lazarus and him rising from the dead. And Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. And he asked Martha this question that's very poignant and very powerful. Do you believe this? And it's a question for all of us that we have to answer that question. Do we believe that Jesus is the resurrection and the life? And then we're going to do a series in that month following that. It's called the Villain Series. And we're going to dive into people's dark hearts in the Bible like Jezebel. Even King David, when he started sinning against God and having this desire for Bathsheba, that he goes a different direction. But we're going to highlight those in the month of April. We want to set a tone and a direction that we want to continue to reach people for Christ. It doesn't matter if we have 50 over there at Blennerhassard or whether we have 150 here. Whatever the number God chooses, the numbers don't matter. It's the lives that are being changed for Christ that matters. And so that's what we want to accomplish. Also, I just want to share with you, because maybe you've heard already, but just want to make it official that uh, Fellowship Baptist wasn't able to do soccer this year because they're going to expand their parking area. So we're going to do soccer here at Porterfield in partnership with other churches to help us out. But we're going to provide soccer during the months of April and May. And actually, Fellowship is going to let us use their equipment, their balls, everything that they have. And some of them are actually going to come and help us to get this ministry started and run it for us. So be in prayer as we continue to think about the ministries that God has us do. And as we seek his will and seek out these opportunities, we're excited to be working with other churches. As I've called about our Easter service at Blennerhassett, I wanted to reach out to the pastor at Fairlawn Baptist and the pastor at Lubeck Community Church. Uh, they were excited to hear it. So it's nice that they want to see us do things to reach more people for Christ. So be in prayer. We're excited what God's doing. We want to continue to make a difference.
And we want to continue to reach those out there in the world. And if you are somebody that would love to be a part of those things and help us out, whether it's soccer or the Easter services, please let us know. We'd love to get you involved. If you're not serving, we'd love you to find a place to serve in the church because it's always great to have others help us. And it's great to have us work together for a common goal and a common purpose. So I'm going to turn it over to the video now. and We're going to stack chairs after this, if you don't mind, and then we'll close.